guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Kids, I envy you. I so envy you because truth be told, your options have never been better with Dr. Brown's Options Plus Wide Neck Bottles. From nipple to base, it eases the transition from breast to bottle and back again. Each nipple is specifically engineered to offer the same consistent natural flow so that you and your twins know what to expect at every feeding. The new breast-like nipple shape is correctly contoured for a proper latch and a more natural bottle feeding experience. So together with the anti-colic internal vent system, your twins will feed with minimal fuss. And when your babies are no longer gassy, remove the venting system and continue to use the Options Plus bottle without the extra parts. Brilliant. It really is brilliant. You guys are so lucky. So for more information on the Dr. Brown's Options Plus bottle, visit drbrownsbaby.com. Hey, gang. Welcome back to another episode of our Twiniversity podcast. I have a very interesting topic today. Like, I'm really excited. I, I, you know, I'm taping a lot for this season's episodes. And when I was looking at the schedule, this was a topic that I was like, ooh, I couldn't wait. So today we're actually discussing having fertility treatments abroad. Now, for you, wherever you are in the universe right now listening to this, you might say, huh? What? But I have to tell you, this isn't the first time that I've heard about this, and it's actually more common than people think. Not only because there's a lot of insurance companies that won't cover it, but there's a million different reasons. So today, we found a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful twin mom. Hashtag spoiler alert. You know she was going to be a twin mom. Today, we're talking to Dara Warland, and she is a full-time working mom, and she's got identical two-year-old little chicks. So without further ado, Dara, Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. I, happy to talk I about this. I really, really, really am excited. So I don't know if you know this, I teach classes for Twiniversity in New York City. And when people register for the classes, we say, are there any special situations? Typically, I'm looking for, do you have a gluten intolerance? Do you like that? Like I need to like things that I might need to know about. And I am really surprised at the amount of people that have gone abroad both for fertility treatments and also for surrogacy. So there's there's a lot of things that are happening and I am dying to know your story and how this came to be. So without further ado, take it away because I'm like getting my popcorn and I'm ready. Tell me everything, Dara. I want to know. Okay. Well, um, this could go on for a long time. So uh, sit back and relax. No, I, I'll try and get, do this uh, the, in the short version. Um, basically, I was 40 when my partner and I uh, were not married, but we're a heterosexual couple, uh, when we started trying um, to have a baby. And as you know, anyone who's tried to have a baby at any age knows, 40 is on the later <laughs> side. Um, and for about three and a half years, we did the usual you know, rigmarole for anyone who's 
trying to get pregnant um, in New York City, which is, you know, you start with, you start small, you start with medication, um, and then you do IUI, and then, you know, they, they sort of escalate as you work your way through the process, and it doesn't work. Um, and along the way, um, we, I actually got pregnant twice naturally, um, and I had a miscarriage each time. And the first one was a chemical pregnancy, so it was really early in the process, but I was really, really excited to finally be pregnant. Um, and then, you know, we lost that one. And then the second one, uh, was much more traumatic. And, uh, we went into the doctor for our eight week appointment and there was no heartbeat. Um, and it was just devastating because it was very late in the process. You know, this was like, I think three and a half, literally three and a half years, three years in, I guess. Um, and it really felt like our last opportunity. We had say I know that, you know, I, I I've speak to so many parents who've been through miscarriage and then ended up similar to to your story. And I just want to let you know that I'm sorry. That's all. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I feel like women are starting women and men really are starting to talk more about miscarriage and how traumatic it is and how common it is. Um, I really learned a lot about how many people have miscarriages when I had them. Um, I think it's really important to talk about them. The second one, you know, I really went through a grieving process. Um, and, um, at that point, and this kind of connects to, you know, the story that we're ultimately looking to tell, um, at that point we had already considered using a donor because what was very clear to us was, there was definitely low egg reserve on my part um, because I was, you know, at this point I was already like 43. And um, what we learned from that miscarriage, which was sort of like the silver lining in it all, um, because it was something called a mis miscarriage, it means that my body did not expel the, the pregnancy. And so I was able to have a procedure to have it removed. And then we were able to test the tissue and to literally know for a hundred percent certainty that it was a chromosomal issue and that it was a very common chromosomal issue often associated with, um, you know, maternal age. So that for me was kind of like the final, piece of evidence that I needed to go, okay, this probably isn't going to happen with my own eggs. So we need to escalate even further to the next step, which is using a donor, which I was actually comfortable with. I'm not attached and to, you know, having a, a child that is genetically mine, because I believe very much in the idea of parenting a spirit, you know, as opposed to necessarily a genetic match. I understand not everyone feels that way and that it can be a big step for a lot of women to take. Um, but for me, the biggest barrier was the financial barrier. So like in New York city, so already, you know, we'd gotten some discounts on the cost of, um, some of our fertility treatments. Um, but my insurance did not cover IVF, um, at all, you know, it covered like the medications and, you know, the, the visits to the doctor, which are, many, um, but it did not cover the actual procedure, which is the most expensive part. They would cover your drugs. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I do think it's crazy, but it's also yeah. crazy expensive. So I can understand why insurance is reluctant to. It's crazy expensive in the United States. And this is where medical tourism comes into the conversation, right? So like traveling abroad for fertility treatment is really not that different than traveling abroad for dental work or, um, you know, cosmetic treatments or, you know, like it, medical tourism is actually very common particularly for Americans, because our the, the cost of healthcare mm -hmm. here is so inflated for reasons that it's not even worth going into. Um, but so I had already been told by a family member um, earlier in this process, before this miscarriage from this natural pregnancy, um, hey, listen, I have a friend who, you know, went to South Africa and used a donor and it cost, I think she said something like cost $2,000, which is complete inaccuracy, but it's, it's not that much more, but it's still like compared to, you know, 30 to 40,000, which is what you would pay for one donor egg cycle, um, in the United States. Um, and I was like, Hmm, this is worth looking into. We looked into South Africa and for a variety of reasons, um, deemed it was like maybe a little, a bridge too far, literally to travel. Um, and then, uh, a friend of a friend connected me, actually, no, a good friend connected me with a friend of a friend who had gone to a clinic in the Czech Republic in a little tiny town called Zlin that I had never heard of in a country I'd never considered traveling to. Um, and she connected me with this woman and I spoke to her and she had at the time uh, twin boy girl uh, kids. And they were probably like, they were babies at the time. And I talked at length to her, God bless her, because she was very generous with her time and she answered a lot of my questions. And so in the process of grieving this lost pregnancy um, and sort of putting the pieces of my heart together, um, and really grieving how I thought my pregnancy was going to happen and how children were going to come into my life. I was also starting to work towards going to the Czech Republic and giving this a shot. So, yeah, so the miscarriage happened in like mid to late September. And then by February, my partner and I were on a plane to the Czech Republic, to a, to a, a city we'd never heard of. Like how, how long, like how long does it take you to get there? Okay. So we actually flew into Vienna and, um, then it's a two hour drive from Vienna in Austria to this little town in, uh, Southern, uh, Czech Republic. Um, and we had this hotel that was so remarkable about this one clinic that we found. And there's a lot of clinics in the Czech Republic. You could go to Prague too, but this one clinic for me, it just felt safer knowing that I had known someone who'd been there. Um, so it just felt like that, mm -hmm. that gave it that much less yeah, of, of a fear factor. Although there's plenty of fear doing something like this. It's such an enormous leap of faith. Um, so this one clinic has a hotel within the clinic and it's a beautiful hotel, right? So you go and you stay in this hotel. It's not that expensive. And then for like about $5,000, you can do this 
procedure. Um, you have a coordinator that uh, you're matched with from the minute you connect with the clinic. And she, um, as far as I know, they're all women, uh, is a nurse and also will typically speak English and can um, sort of carry you through the process. You barely interact with the doctors there. It's really all done through this nurse because the doctors ultimately don't really speak a lot of English. Um, so yeah, so we flew into Vienna and, you know, we had decided at this point, we're going to make this a trip. We're going to make this a European vacation wow. for ourselves okay. as much as possible. Right. So, so to like roll back the tape a bit, we, you know, you have to do all the medication and the preparation on the U.S. side, and you, you have to find a doctor who's kind of willing to work with you. Mm -hmm. And luckily, my OB, who had seen us go through this loss, right, um, really wanted to see us um, succeed. Succeed, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, when I asked her if she would work with us, on this. She's, and you know, has she ever done this before? She said, well, no, I've never, never done this before. Like with, uh, a patient who's going abroad for fertility treatment, but she mm -hmm. said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot, you know? Yeah. So, so like her nurse gave me the HCG shot or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember, not an HCG shot because I'm not, I think it was like some sort of shot that puts you into essentially menopause because you've got to shut your ovaries down. It's kind of like the opposite of an HCG shot. But, you know, so her nurse gave me that shot and it was medicine that I had ordered online, you know, um, because it was too expensive in the U.S. And but the clinic had had recommended this medication and this website. So, you know, I mean, leap of faith on top I of leap of faith. I am sitting here like I I, you were so freaking brave. Honestly, I mean, this, you want to talk about a roll of the dice? Holy smoke. I am, but it's some, I, I'm so excited for you. Uh, <laughs> even if I didn't know how the story was going to end, I would still be excited because you know what this, the whole process has that you were losing at home? A little thing called hope. And that is so disruptive to the whole process of trying to conceive when it's supposed to be a joyous time. And I also, I don't know if you know, I had a lot of infertility problems, but I was on the other side. I was super young and nobody was paying attention. Mm. But when you're infertile at 22, it is no different. If inf infertility is infertility. It doesn't matter where it comes from, but it is. It's such a hopeless, soul-sucking disgusting adventure that you go on and I know that everybody's like well there's positive sides of you know infertility I want to be like is there I don't know we, we need to talk about this but you you found an answer that so many people right now are literally googling medical hotel Czech Republic what do I do but <laughs> but because you like this is something that needs to be discussed and I'm so excited for you. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. I literally, I feel like so hopeful and I'm so excited. I'm sorry, Dara. Okay. You well, first I, I have to acknowledge that there are a lot of people out there who probably think this is completely insane. Oh, totally. And like, it's like taking such yeah. a gamble. Yeah. Taking such a gamble with like yourself, your body and your future children. I, and I acknowledge that. Um, but you're so right that the process that I had been through, which was a very medical process, very scientific, 
and uh, miraculous in its own right that we've gotten to this point where yes. we can do so much medically um, had drained me of all sense of wonder and hope. Yeah. And, and so, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I'd never really thought of it that way, but to be able to take this leap of faith and also I keep saying leap of faith because in the process of going through that miscarriage, which was so devastating, the people who really helped me were those who kept me really focused on the spirituality and I'm not a religious person, but like just this connecting to spirit, connecting to the spirit of the child that I wanted to bring into the world. And there was one, there's this incredible um, fertility uh, acupuncturist in uh, Los Angeles that a friend of mine had connected me to. And she has an amazing um, online program for women looking to get pregnant called seedfertility.com. And it's a program that takes you, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it takes you through literally every day of your cycle, what to eat, how to think, how to sort of like pull the emotional weeds from your womb to kind of get ready to become a mother. It's, it's really amazing. And one thing she told me after I had the miscarriage is think about how you want your future child to see you and your partner as you're going through this. Think about what they are thinking as you are going through this. And it helped me kind of, you know, keep my chin up and like, what is the parent, who is the parent I want to be for this child eventually? And I, you know, I keep saying singular child because I was certain that I did not want twins. <laughs> and I was certain that I was not going to transfer more than one embryo. And I did not transfer more than one embryo. And I'll tell you why, because we only got two embryos in this process. And I felt like if there's something wrong mm -hmm. with this pregnancy for reasons that are not related to this embryo, I want to have another chance. Um, and um, the other thing that's kind of interesting, you know, in the Czech Republic, it's it's part of the European Union. They follow all the European standards as far as IVF is concerned, which is another reason why I felt kind of safe going there. Um, is they're very conservative about the medications and the stimulation that they do with women going through IVF. And you can go there and, you know, do an IVF cycle with your own eggs as well. And it's a lot cheaper than it would be here. How do you they, they do the retrieval there? They would do the retrieval there. Okay. Yeah. So your trip would be longer. Okay. Um, well, it depends. Actually, you would do all the medication and the stimulation and the monitoring here. Then you would yeah. go and do the retrieval there. Okay. And, you know, by the time I got to the Czech Republic, um, our donor... It was like a day before our donor was ready to be um, for the retrieval. Mm -hmm. um, so the retrieval was done, like, I think, one or two days after we got there. Hold on. So this was like a super fresh retrieval. This wasn't even like frozen. No. Frozen. So the yeah, timing was fresh. has yeah. to be like, oh, my yeah. gosh. That's yeah. Some, that's some timing. The timing is stressful, too. The other thing that can be really stressful is... Like right before you go, like, I don't know, five days before you go, you have to go and get your lining measured and oh make gosh. sure that your lining is thick enough for you to, you know, for the egg to implant yeah. or for the embryo to implant. So that's really nerve wracking. But like everything about my body was working fine, except for the eggs, luckily, right? Like that's not always the case for everybody. But for me, that was the case. Um,
And I had this conversation with my OB, same OB, um, when we went and measured the lining and she said, you know, why don't you transfer two? And I said, because I don't want twins. And she said, well, what are the odds? What are the, what are the statistics they're giving you? And I said, 60% chance if you transfer one that you'll wow. get pregnant. Wow. And she said, oh, well, then just transfer one. But one thing that she had said is if you do transfer two, you can always do a reduction. And I was like, reduction? And she made it, I mean, it was like so matter of fact for her. And I was like, I'm not reducing. I mean, not after everything I've been through, you know, no. Um, so, so in any case, we'd had that conversation. And then when we got to the Czech Republic, once again, the nurse is like, okay, do you want to transfer one or do you want to transfer two? I'm like, I want to transfer one. And she's like, well, if you transfer two, you have a 75% chance of a pregnancy. Okay. And I'm like, well, what's my chance of twins if I transfer two? And to be honest, I can't remember the statistics because I was not going there. So we transferred one. Lo and behold, we go for our first ultrasound after I've had the positive pregnancy test back in the U.S. Okay. And we do the ultrasound, and it looks like there are two empty... So no, no babies. That's what it looks like. And my doctor who knows we transferred one and who is seeing two gestational sacs is like, this looks like an abnormal pregnancy. And she takes the picture of the ultrasound because she sees my face. She sees my partner's face. And I think she probably couldn't handle giving us more bad news. She walks out of the office. She says, let me talk to this other like high risk pregnancy expert. And she comes back, she says, I showed him the image and I asked him, what do you see here? And he said, I see a whole lot. <laughs> so, but there was no fetal pole. There was no, like, it was yeah. very murky what was going on in there. And then I sent the, uh, I sent a, I sent a screenshot from my phone of the ultrasound to my coordinator, Lenka, God bless Lenka in the Czech Republic. And I said, what is going on here? And she said, Dara, it looks like you're having identical twins. And she showed it to the doctor and the doctor was not willing to say anything, but she was like, you're having identical twins. And sure enough, we went back a week later and there were two strong heartbeats and a third sack that was empty. (laughs) I know nobody's here with me now. And when I take podcasts, there's usually by myself. But today I want somebody behind me that says, could you believe this? I want everybody (laughs) to be like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and what's even crazier about it and why my doctor thought it was an abnormal pregnancy is because in order for you to have what's called die-die twins, right, where you have two gestational sacs and two uh, placentas, they have to split so early. They have to split, like, before day three. And we transferred a day five embryo. So the fact that this even happened, I mean, I remember between the first ultrasound and the second ultrasound where I knew the chances that this was anything Mm -hmm. was so slim because it was so unlikely that they had split Mm -hmm. so completely after five days. I was Googling and looking on forums and every once in a while you'd see somebody on a forum saying, this happened to me. You know, the doctors don't believe it's possible, but it is possible. I have identical twins. Most doctors will say, oh, you must have ovulated when they transferred one embryo and now you're, you know, whatever. But we actually ended up doing a DNA test and they're identical. Um, you know, for part of the time, my doctor was convinced that this like crazy clinic in the Czech Republic that she's never seen or heard of, you know, slipped in an extra embryo. We were like, 
whose embryo is this? Like, you know, we were just, who knows? Yes. You don't know. No. You just don't know. You don't know if, if it's the U.S., you don't know. When I had, when my baby A is a super duper ginger, Dara, I literally said, I don't think that's my kid. Like, I yeah. remember thinking that, like, where, and for those of you who know what I look like, Dara could see me right now, but I don't look like You're not somebody. a ginger. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I am like the anti-ginger. Like, I don't even... I don't get it, but I remember, like, initially there's, like, this moment of delivery, and they're like, here comes your fiery redhead, and I'm like, what? What's happening? So I could totally imagine that nerve-wracking moment of you're like, why are there so many embryos inside <laughs> right, of me? What the hell is going on here? Oh but, I mean, gosh. they do say that IVF, and they don't exactly know why, increases the odds of identical twins. <sighs> Um, and they think it might have something to do with the solution that embryos are, are kept in. Um, and, you know, the thing about identical twins is that they are just, you know, random, random events. Yeah. They're not, it's not genetic. It's not, you know, inherited or anything. So oh. it just, it just happened for whatever reason. In my mind, this is what I tell myself. And this is where sort of like my spiritual connection comes in is I believe that the child that we lost that was watching us as we were, you know, grieving and healing from this loss was like, it's not so bad there. That's a pretty good family. I'm going to bring a friend and brought a friend with her, you know? So twin A brought twin B. Oh, God, Dara, I can't handle this. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love I'm I am equally as crunchy spiritually and I I do. I think there there's a lot of that that happens. And how I love that you think that. I, I'm so excited for you. I just a gentle reminder to our listeners, IVF was not invented in the United States, my friends. Oh, where so, was it invented? I didn't know UK that. The UK was the first. The UK uh, yeah. was the first, and then it was down in India. So, but like historically, we were like super late adopters in in the whole process, and it only started in the late seventies. Where it's funny because people were like, "Oh, this has been happening forever." No, it really hasn't. Actually, it's it's been since the late seventies, and now you know, like in oh, I don't even know, but like let's say around two thousand and six, there was over like 54,000 infants born because of the results that had happened in the late 70s. But this wasn't like a U.S. super, like, I just want to remind people that when you hear Dara and how could you do this, this is not like an exclusive U.S., the exclusive U.S. problems. And now that you guys know, like those of you that are listening, I stay as far from anything political or religious as possible at Twiniversity, but holy crap, it is so obscenely expensive and I watch families on my side go through thousands upon thousands and that's actually being modest like I'm talking about you know 50 60 70,000 and there's families that are like how do we just adopt it from the beginning yeah that would be expensive but we could have had three kids for you know for us to have even one pregnancy and I have one friend and this is not a joke she has 11 failed IVFs and she comes from a family that was like, no, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have these kids. Like, it's so horrible. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't think, you know, I don't know if it's it, it, they knew that it was a uh, chemical issue. So whether it was her 
you know, eggs or whatever, but to keep going in. And as somebody who I only did one IVF, to be very honest with you, but we had to be documented for five years as infertile because I was so young. Mm, So when I went initially in my early 20s, I was super dismissed. And everybody's like, just go home and, you know, have a drink and relax. And it's stress. Dara, it wasn't stress. There's there's no mother nature was not having a ball with everything that was happening in my lady bits or his boy bits. It just wasn't working out for us. But it was so infuriating for us. We I had to call the doctor every month to tell them I got my period, which is like I failed again, guys. It's not like that whole process is so ah, it's just disgusting. It was horrible. It's just earth shattering. And if you have no money and or let's you have to have some money, right, because we still have to get there and well, there's still going to be expenses. But this is a drop in the bucket of what you would have spent at home. Yeah, I'd say all told the vacation, you know, was so we were able to between the retrieval and like the fifth day, the transfer, we had five days, you know, we went to Prague, we even took a train to Berlin, like we actually had a very romantic vacation, um, you know, between the fertility treatment and the vacation part, it was all like $10,000. Um, and I was, I was really legitimately trying to be financially prudent. Also thinking like, I don't want to bring children into a household of debt and we didn't, you know, and I'm proud to say we didn't. Um, but I do know that there were, there are people who will, you know, dig into their 401k, whatever. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't judge anyone for what they do because I think the heart wants what the heart wants. And when it comes to family, this is not like wanting a car. This Mm -hmm. is not selfish. This is about wanting to love another human being and parent that child, you know? So, um, you know, I think a lot of us will get to a place where we're willing to do almost anything. Um, and, and for me, you know, at at the end of the day, this, this just made sense, you know, and I have two gorgeous, um, blonde. I was never blonde. My, my, my partner though, he was blonde as a, as a kid. So actually the girls look exactly like his sister did when they were two. I mean, they're like literally look like they could be her children. Everyone says they look like him, mm-hmm. um, probably because they don't want to say they don't, they don't know, they don't yeah. look like you, you know, because <laughs> they don't. And it was a really, really hard pregnancy. Um, uh, you know, I, I had every risk factor you could imagine. I ended up with gestational diabetes. I had preeclampsia. They came seven weeks early. I had a C-section. Um, but the babies were never um, in jeopardy. You know, it was just my body was you know, under a lot of stress. And they were born at about four and a half pounds each, even though they were just shy of 33 weeks. You did some fine work there, Missy. They were big babies. Yeah, they sucked everything I had out of me. So, but yeah, you know, and I have to say that carrying them really like biologically, you know, I still feel very much that I made them, you know, and, and they were very much a part of me. So um, in some ways I almost feel like it w- that was sort of an equalizer. Like it's my husband's genetics, but I carried them, you know, or I call him my husband, but we're not married, but, um, you know, so, so yeah, in the end it feels very equal on that level. 
I wouldn't be talking about it openly if I had not planned on being 100% open with them. You know, I think that what is the most damaging to people is secrets. And uh, everyone wants to know their identity, who they are and where they come from. And I would never want to keep that from my kids. So, I mean, they're going to know the whole wacky, crazy story. And I want them to grow up with it part of their, you know, their origin story. Uh, um as much as it is for me, part of their origin story. And I want it to be as normalized as possible. Um, and I want them to be proud of it. And honestly, if they get curious, I want them, you know, there are genetic tests they can do, like whatever they want, you know, I'm open to it. It's it's their decision, you know, how much they wanna know about it. But I I have no intention of keeping it a secret from them. There's no reason to. And this is something, by the way, I would have totally done. Had I known this in the process, this is so Natalie Diaz in my wheelhouse. I don't think it's uncomfortable. I don't think it's weird. This is what I wish I would have had because maybe I would not have had to call a doctor every 24 days to tell them I was a failure. So mm. it was, oh, my God, Dara, you are like the best thing that's happened to me in a while. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, you know, the reason I wanted to tell my story is because I, there were women that helped me get here and who literally carried me. And there are women that I am now able to help. I have a friend who went to the same clinic and is now pregnant um, and expecting a baby boy. Um, and, and, you know, she was at the same point I was, of yeah. just complete despair. Yeah. And it's incredibly heartbreaking to think that you're never going to have a child. Um, I hear you. I totally hear you. And you know what else I think was really like the, the best thing? You had forced vacation. You had yeah. forced relaxation. And one thing that I really wanted to be like the mantra of Twiniversity is that you're not relaxing, you're recovering. And I think as parenthood in general, and it's not motherhood or fatherhood, it's parenthood, I think so often we're so in the eye of the storm. And then when we take a minute for ourselves, there's this stupid guilt that starts eating away at us. But as a gentle reminder for everybody, you aren't relaxing, you're recovering. And so to go through all that trauma of the miscarriages and the infertility, and then finally to be like, okay, are we really doing this? We're really doing this. And now we're here. And now we turn it into the Griswolds European vacation, one of my favorite movies. I hope that somebody took a video of you in a shower and then was posted as you were traveling in Berlin. That's my secret hope, Dara. But that's a side story. You could tell us that on another day. <laughs> <laughs> that component of, you know, of fertility, I think, is so necessary because not only did you put your mind in the right space with you know your seed fertility like I love that and then you had your body in the right space from your doctors here in the U.S. and then it was this was the perfect harmony of conception and what a great story and what an inspiring story and I got chills I literally I'm so happy for you like I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy that you were just like F it this is what's happening I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Mic drop. We're out. Get us some tickets. Take me to JFK, Uber driver. We out of here. I love that you did yeah. that. So thank you so much, Dara. Now, Dara, when people want to find you, how do they find you? If somebody does have a question for you, 
Could do you have you know are you on uh, any social platforms? Should they message Twiniversity? What is the way that they should find you? I think the safest way is probably to message Twiniversity, um, only because uh, I can't think of an easy public way to reach me otherwise. Yeah. Um, no, we're yeah. in. We're I'm totally okay. in. We're I'm just... totally open to talking to anybody about this, except for the trolls. I'm oh, not interested no. in trolls. <laughs> we we actually I don't want to say you it don't out have loud. Trolls. We we don't have a lot. We keep to ourselves. We're our little weird little twin community. Nobody even pays attention to us. So, like, sometimes we'll get trolled and then I'll lose my mind. But, yeah, that I'm telling you, we don't have to worry about that here. This is really good. And, you know, we have a lot of connections in the fertility space as well because a lot of times, like, I work wonderfully with um, the Fertility Tribe. is a great website, too. So when people have success over there, they kind of get filtered to us. It's like some weird, like we're like graduate school. Like they're just like, oh, I'm getting my undergrad at the Fertility Tribe. But then you come to Twiniversity and this is where you get your master's in twin parenting. So it's this little underground thing that we have. And so you email us at community at twiniversity.com. We will put you in touch with Dara. We'll forward any messages that you have. You could email us also, not email us, you could tag us on any social. So literally, we are literally at Twiniversity on everything. We are so not original. People say it's branding. I say we have no originality. It depends on how you look at it. Um, but you could find us and Dara from the bottom of my heart and my 20s to your 20s and every person out there right now that thinks they're crazy about doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And if I can just help one family looking to complete their picture, um, then I will be happy. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm open to it. Oh, God, you are the best, Dara. Thank you so much. And guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget, I always feel like, I feel like I'm like a 19-year-old. Subscribe to our channel. Oh, my gosh, guys, buy our merch. We have no merch. Uh, but don't forget to subscribe. We want to let you know we have some wonderful, wonderful parents who are so generous with their times and have the most fascinating stories. Dara is one of them, but we have dozens upon dozens of episodes and we play no games. We don't clickbait anything. That's the topic. You want to listen, listen. If you don't, it's okay. I know you still love us anyway. So until next time, go listen to every single other episode if you have a minute. Uh, make sure that you review us on iTunes to take off that bad review that I have about the woman who told everybody that I only yell at my dog and she gave me one star. So please try to help me combat that because I don't know what episode that was or message me what episode that was so I could go listen to myself yell at the dog and then laugh and laugh and laugh. So until next time, guys, this is Natalie Diaz from Twiniversity and I will see you later, alligators. Thanks for listening. Bye.